Hey everyone, it's Megan with Sawgrass and you're listening to Inc. Differently, the Sawgrass business podcast. I'm joined today by Jim Raffle from Color Casters. Jim, thanks so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so you are a color management consultant and trainer for Color Casters, correct? That's correct. So can you kind of tell me what, what exactly is that title? What do you do? So basically what happened is we, um, we had a software company called Colormetrics, still do, and we developed software for color verification and process control. And um, out of that grew a, a need for professional services, which wasn't always color management, but it was always involved around color. And uh, I don't know, about a decade ago, I got involved in making profiles and improving profiles and all kinds of things like that. And I don't know, maybe five years ago, I got certified by Idea Alliance as a G7 expert, and then my customers, and really just to gain the knowledge, and then customers found out I had that advanced certification, and they were like, hey, can you come in and do G7 uh, qualification for us, like I've done for Sawgrass? And um, basically that grew to be, you know, something as big or maybe bigger than the software company, and so we spun it off because professional services and software are really two very different things. Very cool. So you said that you've worked with Sawgrass before. Can you dive a little bit into that partnership? How long have you had this uh, relationship with Sawgrass and what specifically have you been able to do? I'm, I'm assuming with our Sawgrass print manager. No, actually, so it was, um, I think it's almost four years and maybe it's more than four years. I've lost track of the exact time. Um, I was I was brought in to uh, work with the the, v, the VJ628 originally. Okay. So the, the, the wider printer and uh, and using it with third-party rips because there were really no adequate pulp profiles for the Sawgrass inks and that printer. And, you know, I, I grew, to, I, I learned through that that the, the Sawgrass advantage is a complete ecosystem where um, really color becomes almost autopilot, right? If, if everything is set up right, you don't have to worry about color. So I, I came in for that for four years ago, I want to say. And then most recently I've helped build profiles for Print Manager, um, specifically for the new SG500 and 1000 printers. And I love the color output on those. One of the things that I've talked to our developers about as well are the color output with the 500 and 1000. They say it's more exact to what true color is. It's not as diluted or vibrant as previous models. That, okay, so that's true. And one of the reasons is that there's um, there's essentially, some of that's the printer and, and a, actually a good chunk of that's the printer. Um, another good chunk of it is the fact that the computer language that we talk to that printer with or really the color language is CMYK, so cyan, magenta, yellow, black, which happens to be the four ink cartridges that are in the printer. Mm -hmm. um, whereas previous versions, it's my understanding, and I didn't have a lot of involvement there, but it's my understanding that um, those printers, because they were not necessarily built from the ground up by Sawgrass mm -hmm. um, in partnership with Rico, you had to still create what we call RGB or red, green, blue profiles. And so there was, you know, some things got lost in translation, for lack of a better way to put it. Gotcha. So I'm very curious, you know, how do you become a, a color management consultant? You know, th that is something that I, I have to say must be a niche career. 
I would say you are correct. Um, so uh, I was just having a discussion about this this morning. You know, literally almost 40 years ago, I, in in a middle school shop class, I was exposed to something called a letterpress. And that's where you still had to set movable type and you put it on the press and you, you could print basically words in one color, black. Uh, and I made notepads for my mom. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I, I have that same fascination with print today that I had then. Um, and so, you know, through those, through those years, I, went, I actually went to school and got a degree in printing management for, for my undergrad. Um, you know, stacked an MBA on top of that, started a software company, but always stayed in the print industry, always stayed close to ink and color and um, the reproduction of color. And so um, I, I think what happens is when you're around it long enough, uh, you know, some of the things you said earlier, you start to become dissatisfied with the color you're getting because you know there's more capability in the system. And so you, you realize that the, the entire ecosystem is being underutilized and improperly utilized, and you want to fix it. And that's, I think that's the position from which I, I really, you know, launched my consulting career. Interesting. So why do you think it's important for people who have sublimation businesses to use color rips like the Sawgrass Print Manager? Well, so we do, we do whole, we do like multi-day seminars on color management, but. Uh, so let's try to condense it down to a podcast. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> this is the, uh, this is, this is the very abbreviated version. So, I mean, the, the short story is that a, a printer like even the SG-1000, um, it, it, it basically just spits out ink, right? I mean, that, that's that's what it does. It's a printer and it spits out ink. And and so in, in many ways, it's a, the device itself is a dumb device, which isn't completely accurate. There's firmware and it does a lot of things. I'm making but a phone call to someone very important in this company. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, but what it needs is, it, but the reason I say that is you need the print manager, which mm -hmm. is really the brains of the operation, at least when it comes from specifically when it comes to color the print manager is the brains of the operation right because that that print the the sg1000 or 500 just knows to put down cmyk well that's four colors oh um, yeah we right and and it's really capable of, by mixing those four colors it's capable of probably producing ten thousand or more colors and so what we we need to do is we need to tell it that this digital image you're looking at on your screen that you've picked some of those 10,000 colors or more and we, then we do interpolation, but it's it's really going from those 10,000 colors that it's capable of producing, even though there's only four in it. It's taking all 10,000 of those and looking at the digital image that you created and brought into Print Manager and it's going, oh, I can map, you know, 10 of those 12,000 and the other 2,000 I'm gonna map as best I can. And, and that's why something like Print Manager is so important because it, it does all the heavy lifting when it comes to color. By the time the, the data stream gets to the printer, the printer is just doing exactly what Print Manager tells it to do. You condense that information down so well. I, I understood it so much better uh, now that you've kind of explained it that way. So thank you. And I'm sure everyone else kind of ex understands it better as well because as you know, we have a lot of people, uh, not a lot, but we do have some people who want to try to use maybe third-party ink or not print through SPM or don't understand the purpose of printing through SPM. Um, so how can um, color output make a difference 
and if a design is successful or not. Um, so the, so what I always tell people is if you, if you are a color management, not even an expert, if you're a, if you're a color management practitioner, like you really know what you're doing, um, there's nothing to stop you from going and buying the cheapest printer you can find, the cheapest Chinese inks, the cheapest, um, you know, media and blanks and actually producing good quality work. There, there's really nothing to stop you. What I can tell you is it's gonna, you're gonna be pulling your hair out a lot and you're gonna be spending a lot of your time um, building profiles, adjusting profiles, rebuilding profiles because the media, you know, the, the, the paper's not consistent, the blanks aren't consistent, the ink's not consistent, the ink has destroyed my print heads. And, and I tell you all that because I just spent the weekend doing some consulting work with a client in, in Orlando who, when I started working with him about the same time I started working with Fort Sawgrass about four years ago, he was doing exactly what I just described. Wow. He had bought the, the least expensive printer he could with the least expensive inks and medias. And and so I'm, I'm there working with him and he's using he's using all name brand product mm -hmm. and he's filling, he's filling the printers all with OEM ink. Mm -hmm. He's got high-end paper, high-end blanks. And so we were eating lunch one day and I said, what changed? Because, huh? way too many headaches going the other way i believe it and he goes you know most of the year it's okay but we get into the, the christmas season when we're busy as can be and that's when all the headaches come <laughs> and and so i mean that's really the answer to your question is it's headaches right i mean yeah are, are are we in the you know fixing equipment and reprofiling business or are we in the producing what does big say um producing decorated you know desktop decorated art or whatever however <laughs> he's got a name um, for everything yeah and 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 i think i think we're it's the latter right we're in the business of producing decorated product we're not in the business of tweaking color and um, building profiles and trying to figure out if if this batch of blanks has the same white point as the previous batch and you know is is it the ink that's you know clogging up my heads or is it or is it just that i have a bad head and when i buy everything from sawgrass and and i you know we we are a Sawgrass user because we build profiles for you. So I have an SG-1000 and I have a VJ-628 and I have all Sawgrass inks and I have, I have, I love, uh, and this is not a commercial, but I, I love TruePix. <laughs> I love TruePix paper. Hey, wait, say more, say more. <laughs> well, it's, it's true. I mean, when I use all of your stuff and, and knowing that the profiles and SPM are our profiles, when I, when I use all of your stuff, I don't have any problems. That's because awesome. I play around in our lab. We like to do stuff for fun. You know, I make I make socks and cutting boards and, and you know masks and gaiters and all that stuff. And and we really don't have color problems. You know, it's, it just it all works. So you are hands on. You you're not only just making these color profiles and and diag uh, diagnosing problems, but you really are like the consumer because you truly make items. Yeah. So what happened was. Um, it, that that basically that all changed in, in 2020 which i think a lot of us changed in 2020. Mm -hmm. so we came off the road um you know you're, you're talking to a guy who spent 180 nights a year in hotels for about three years in a row wow four years in a row. and then last year um it was it was down not as much as i thought it would be it was way down probably half that and um and so we had to fill the gap and for a while there was nothing and so i looked at what we had and that the you know, my color management lab is in, my Dyson color management lab is in my basement. And um, I kind of looked around at the equipment and I rearranged the room and, you know, I'm making a really short story of a, a several month project, but mm -hmm. we in about 10 days went from 
not not being a production shop, but producing our, our very first product was um, uh, gator face coverings. So you sure. know the, the ones that go around your neck and you can pull up. And uh, with just a with the VJ 628 um, and a 16x20 press, we probably we, we took one order for over a thousand and delivered it in a wow. couple of weeks. That was that was like our that was our it wasn't our first it was our first large order. Before that, you know, we took probably orders for several hundred individual items um, on the internet and uh, through our social media contacts and cranked those out. And then we got this big order through social media. So, yeah, I learned a lot about the production side, you know. So mm -hmm. now, now if you go down in my basement, it's set up more like a production facility and then a lab, although we still do a lot of lab stuff down there. Um, you know, so we've had all the experiences of things that go wrong in production and, you know, set up things like ship stations for shipping stuff out and mm -hmm. you know I, I, I I'm the guy who's supposed to order stuff and I sometimes forgot to order material so we've run out of blanks and we've run out of ink and yep all of that <laughs> wow so I, I, I want to touch upon this more so you weren't really doing too much production ahead of 2020 so how did you, so did you reach out to social media contacts? Did you start up a website? I guess how did how did you get everything off the ground to get a thousand orders at once? Yep, that was one order for well, one order for a thousand yeah. things. Yeah. Um, so, and we've had others like that. So, it was to a large extent the whole thing happened through the power of a network, right? Mm -hmm. And I never knew how how tight and helpful. The, the print industry would be until you know until the chips are down right and so you know i reached out to you guys and i said hey i know i have some ink and paper here um i want to i want to actually do production and so i need to buy ink and paper and um and so we worked you know we worked something out because obviously we already have a relationship and we pro creating profiles is an ongoing thing and so we you know, we, we, we more partnered than became customer and vendor. It was, we just mean, we extended the partnership a little sure. bit. Um, and so that, there's that side of it, but that's also how we secured blanks, right? I mean, it was not exactly, you know, mid to late April was not exactly an easy time to source blank gators or masks or anything that was related to- Oh, I can imagine. The pandemic. And, and so that was another relationship um, with um, Vapor Apparel, we happen to know uh, a guy from there, um, and name's Ron, but, um, and so he, uh, he helped us get the, the gators in and, um, and then, yeah, that, so how did we then, so that was the, that's part one, right? Is, is, is getting up and running, right? Right. And, uh, you know, Royce and your facility helped us get the VJ up and running. Cause at the, when this all happened, we hadn't even set the VJ up. It oh, was, wow. It was for a future project, right? <laughs> so we had to take the future came knocking. <laughs> Right. So, so we had to take that thing out of, out of the box and get it all set up. And, you know, so it was all about working the network on that side first. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we kind of put as soon as we realized we could make gators and we started making them on the SG 1000, by the way, as soon as we realized we could make gators, we created a website. Well, we had, a, we have a website. So, and we do e-commerce there and we decided to make this quick and easy. Let's just, we also thought this was going to be a short term thing. We're like, let's just throw the gators on our color caster site right alongside mm -hmm. spectrophotometers and grip software, right? I mean, <laughs> the category, things that the, the average person goes to buy all the time. Right. And 
because we figured it was going to all be friends and family anyway. And so Shelby and I, my business partner, we just pushed it out all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, mm -hmm. LinkedIn, Instagram, you name it. And of course, in April, late April and early May, what was everyone doing? They were sitting at home, stuck to social media, right? Because there was really nothing else to do. And and I'm telling you, it, it was crazy. We, um, I, I, I did what they always talk about, right? I identified some influencers and I reached out to them in the DM and said, Hey, if I send you a, a couple free gators and you, and you like them, will you will you post a picture? And one of them's a, a medical doctor, and he's like, "Sure." And, wow, you know, that's great. He got it a few days later, and he posted it, and we had like a thousand dollars in sales. Remember, these things are like 12, 15 bucks a piece. We had a thousand dollars in sales from that. He did one tweet, one tweet of himself wearing the gator, and I can wow. directly tie a thousand dollars in sales to one. So, I mean, I, I tell this to people, they're like, what do you do? It's like, you give stuff away. And they're like, I can't afford to give it away. Really? You wouldn't give one $15 product away, which can cost you $15. You know, it, it was $3 in postage, the cost of the blank and the ink and the paper. So let's just call it seven bucks. Hi, I'm, I'm not high. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't give away $7 to have a thousand in sales. And they're like, well, I'd probably give away $7 for a hundred in sales. I go, well, there you go. Right. Just keep giving it away to the right people. I mean, that's that's the, that, as you know, the, the hard part is finding the influencer, right? Right. And then the other one was just crazy. The, the first big order, and we've gotten several since one, but the first big order was like a friend, you know, a guy I know, right? And he reaches out and he's a DM and he goes, Hey, I like your I like your gators, but can I get can I get some with my logo on them? I'm like, Well, yeah, how many? It's like a thousand. Wow. <laughs> And the, by the way, the BJ is not up and running yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you, like, you oh. made that count. Okay, well, I'm gonna pause for a second because I see this mistake on social media all the time. Uh, don't take orders before you have it out of the box. <laughs> but but you're different because well, you because you had you, you already knew the equipment. But well, we had the 1,000 run, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So so I started doing the math of you know how many sheets of paper am I gonna need? Right, I'm gonna need you know 2,000 sheets of paper. Mm -hmm. And and oh now I need ink for the SG one thousand. And what I didn't tell you was it wasn't shipping yet. I had I had a I had a bench built unit, right? So I could get ink, right? <laughs> Alex would have had to hand fill the cartridges for me. <laughs> so, so we had to get we had to get the VJ up and running. So it did mm -hmm. it did become exactly what you said, but I didn't realize it was gonna become that because right. I you already had any planning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is that is that's a great story. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> it, it does sound like a lot of fun. Um, and, and it's great that you actually got to go through what a lot of our users uh, went through at the same time as you. Uh, and I'm sure that it in some way has impacted and probably elevated the, the core function of your company in some way. Yeah, I mean, Shelby and I talk about this all the time. And, and the big thing is we feel like it's made us much, much better consultants, right? So. So we were together. We were together on site with this client all weekend, and, and he's he's really, he's always done a little tiny bit of dye sublimation, and now he's going to enter dye sublimation in a big way. And this is a guy who's got a pretty good sized business. He pushes a lot of product through some of the platforms out there, and um, marketplaces, not platforms, marketplaces, and um, and, and he's, he wants to add dye sublimation, right? And and so. He starts talking, and we're we're all, we're all eating lunch together. And he starts talking. He starts talking. Shelby looks at me. I look at Shelby. We both look at him and go, "Don't do it." You know, I don't remember exactly what it was specifically, but he was about to make one of the huge mistakes we had made that you know a year, not even a year ago. He's like, "Well, why not?" And we shared. And I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something. It was something he was going to try and do, and I'm like, "You don't want to do it." 
you just you don't go there because <laughs> you, you knew you you've been there you've made that mistake right so and that's able, wow and we were able to say you know really as a consultant what are you what are you supposed to do you're supposed to save people time and money that, that's what you're really supposed to do i mean that's because mm-hmm. that's the roi and so we you know we saved him time and money you know and he shared it's funny he shared another story from the very first time i was there four years ago and he was using a rip and i don't remember which one it was and i'm watching him go file open file open file open like 30 times in a row and he gets all done because i didn't want to interrupt him i said you know you could have just opened that folder because i saw all, all 30 files came from the same folder mm-hmm. so you could have just opened that folder over there did a control a and dragged them all under the rip. He says, no, you can't. I said, go ahead and try it. And he's like, you just paid for yourself to be here. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with color, right? It was crazy. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was an operations thing, so. That's, that's great. So I wanna circle back to the color profiling for a second, because you've brought up blanks several times. Um, so how do blanks play a role in profiling color? I'm sorry, what's the word? I said, how do blanks play a role oh, in profi- profiling colors? Yeah. So, um, so blanks to me are, so in, in color management, to me, the real substrate, which is what we print on, um, are the blanks. And so mm-hmm. the substrate, whatever it might be, whether it's paper, vinyl, whatever it is, no matter what I'm, you know, wood, I, have people, I have people who print on wood, not even through dye sublimation. Whatever you're printing on, if it's a pair of socks, if it's a piece of chromolux, if it's, um, you know, what are some really popular things for you guys? Mugs? Uh, mugs, mouse pads, t-shirts. Every one of those has a white point, right? And what do I mean by white point? Well, if you laid them all on the desk together and looked at them, they, they're all white, but they're not the same white. And so the white point um, is probably, there's, there's two things that are really critical. The white point is one, because the white point drives um, essentially what our gray balance is gonna be. And if we can hit gray, gray is this one color that we can all agree upon. And if we can hit gray, if we can hit neutral gray consistently from, you know, light, light highlights, dark, dark shadows, all the way through, all the rest of our colors, our reds, our greens, our blues, they're, they're gonna all just fall in line. Our grass is gonna be green, our sky is gonna be blue. So when we build a profile, we have to build it um, taking that white point into account to make sure we get neutral gray. And that, that's what the whole G7 process is about, and that's why Sawgrass has invested in that. And then um, the other piece of it is each substrate will, each blank, each blank will um, carry the ink differently. And what I mean by that is that, uh, um, obviously dye sublimation works because of poly- the amount of polyester that you have. On a shirt, on like a, a t-shirt that's 100% polyester, you, you can you can put a, you can probably put more ink on the shirt than you can carry in your transfer paper, right? There's just, mm-hmm. there's just a whole bunch of polyester there. On some of the hard surface stuff, if they haven't put a really thick polyester coating over the top of it, you can literally put too much ink on the transfer paper, and then you get like blurring and blotchy output, and you know things just don't look right. So the blank, we have to take into account those two things: the white point of the blank, and how much ink can the, the blank really take? Um, because that's what we want to do. We want to we want to give the blank as much ink as we can give it, but not too much. So we want to find that, you know, that sweet spot where we we put down just enough that we're essentially maxing it out, but we haven't gone over the max so that we, because all that extra ink in the sublimation process has to go somewhere, and it can make for really bad looking images if we have too much ink. 
that is really good information to know because I feel like that a lot of people don't know that they don't really know how the blanks uh, play a role in the whole process when it comes to the transferring so I'm glad that you uh, touched upon that so I want to bring up a comment or, or a question that we get uh, often on social media my color isn't coming out right someone says that to you what, what is your troubleshooting advice <laughs> oh it's such a great question right because what is right well right? that's a great that's out. a great point right um, well, what do you expect that, that I usually start with well what are you expecting mm -hmm. and and because what I what I do by doing that is I, I try to get inside their head and because right is a, that's a, it's a very generic term I don't know what I don't know what's wrong then I mean if, it, if it's not right it's wrong but what was it supposed to be so I try to get an understanding of what they believe is right so that I can then understand what they think is wrong and you know typically what it turns out to be is honestly I'd say a huge percentage of the time it turns out to be something we just talked about which is the blank right so um, they're using sawgrass print manager for example and they're using the, the metal profile which is which is built on I can tell you is built on chromolocks right mm -hmm. so they're using a metal profile built on chromolocks and they're using a third party maybe sourced from sourced from somewhere they're, they're using the cheapest possible alternative and I get it. I get why people do that. Right. Um, not passing judgment, just explaining why you then sure. may not be happy with the color, right? And so be, there could be two problems with that blank, right? It doesn't have the right white point, and it doesn't carry enough ink, or it, well, even too much would be okay. But it, more often than not, it doesn't carry enough ink, mm -hmm. so they get like blotchy output. And a lot of that, that's um, that a lot of times when people are complaining about color, they're actually complaining about print quality, believe it or not. Interesting. Because they, they, the two get if you haven't done this. As a, as, a, as a profession and as a career for a while, um, things that are really quality issues can get lumped into, into the color category. And so there's really, to me, there's color and color quality, mm -hmm. and then there's print and print quality. And okay. yes, they overlap, but they can also be very separate. Interesting. So can you dive into the importance of having the proper time, temperature, and pressure when it comes to sublimating and having the getting the proper colors and that color profile that you want. Sure. Um, there's, you know, every print process has variables, and good color is achieved by minimizing and managing variables. So you're getting all scientific on me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the printer itself has a few variables. Actually, not not all that many. So the printer itself has a few variables. So I like the fact that you focused on the heat press because the heat press is really, um, especially if, if people are using sawgrass equipment and, and sawgrass profiles and, and ink and paper. Now you're down to a heat press, right? And so the the heat press is is really like, uh, I mean, it's the last step, right? So you've invested all the time in designing the image, printing the image. So you've got. You're fully invested in ink and you're fully invested in paper and you're about to invest now in the blank, right? And you're going to put it, and, and you've bought a high quality sawgrass printer and you, you're using OEM ink and you're using OEM paper and you bought a high quality blank. And then you bought the cheapest heat press you could buy, mm -hmm. right? Because you've already, you're like, well, that's, it's just a heat press. Mm -hmm. it's just like buying an iron to iron my clothes. The cheapest one works just as well as the most expensive <laughs> one. Except we know that cheap irons don't heat up evenly and will mm -hmm. scorch good clothing. 
um, heat presses are the same way. They won't heat up evenly. So before I even get to time, temperature, and pressure, I want to make sure that my heat press to, to delivers uniform pressure and uniform temperature across the entire, you know, to 16 by 20. I want uniform temperature from the front corner to the back corner and in the middle. And there's ways to measure that. Oh, and I want uniform pressure and there's ways to measure that usually with test print. So once I know I have that, um, time, temperature, and pressure are, you know, you know, I, I learned this actually from, from your, your, your ink guys, the, the chemists. Um, I mean, that's it. That's the holy grail of dye sublimation. The whole, mm -hmm. the whole chemical, because it's really a molecular, a molecular change occurs under time, under the right amount of temperature at the right pressure for the right amount of time. Yep. And so you have to get to a certain temperature at a certain pressure before the sublimation even begins to occur. And then you have to let it go on long enough that it fully releases, essentially. So all of the dyes end up going from the maximum amount goes from the paper, transfer paper into whatever it's sublimating to, and then makes that chemical change. So, I mean, time, temperature, and pressure are the holy grail of dye sublimation. If you don't have a handle on those and you don't tweak those, I mean, you know, we, we found out, like, for example, we've gone through a few heat presses, which is, um, yeah, I have a friend in this business who says, if you have one heat press, you have none. And if you have two heat presses, you have one. Um, they are, they're, they're finicky devices. They uh, don't like to behave and they will let you down. And so that's one piece of advice to have two heat presses. You can have one printer, but you better have two heat presses <laughs> because the heat press will let you down someday. And ours did. And so we brought in a new heat press, but what we, which we like a lot more. But the thing we figured out was it needed about five seconds more to get the same, to deliver the same color quality. Okay. So even though we were using, you know, the recommended specifications from the blank manufacturer in this case, we figured out we had to bump it about five seconds to make sure that we got like good, consistent, solid blacks. And so you were talking about how does it matter? When we went from the old heat press using the manufacturer's recommended time and temperature um, and pressure, we get we would get a nice even black. And when we went to the new heat press, we were getting a blotchy black. And so we thought it was you know cold spots in the press. And so we called the press manufacturer and like, oh, we know what press you're using and. Bump, just bump the time. Do me a favor. Bump the time five seconds. That's all it took. Wow. All five second bump. And you know, it's one of those things I knew when I was just in the thick of it, and so I didn't even try it. But yeah, it matters. It absolutely matters. It sounds like you guys over there probably go through a lot of blanks. Well, yeah. I mean, for a lot of reasons. I mean, when we make when we make a profile, for, like for you guys, I mean, um, just to make one color profile at one print resolution, right? Um, we're at a point now where I think we go through, I think it's 21, I think it's 21, like, um, 21 sheets, basically, and, you know, like, if you think of a, a neck gator, we, we would use 21 gators, and everyone's like, well, why don't you use the backside? It's like, well, no, because we want to make the best possible color profile we can, so mm -hmm. we literally only print on one side, and, wow. you know, same thing with Chromalux. We use one sheet, one eight, we kind of go like an eight and a half by 11 size, but it takes 21 to make a good profile. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of, that's a lot of hard work. Well, and, and we need, if you think about it, we need, if, if to create a color profile, I need, I think it's 12 pages, 12 of those pages out of the profile itself, the characterization chart. Um, and we're going to measure that. Well, if, if we get variations in time, temperature, and pressure, we're going to have variations in different parts of the tonal range, right? So our greens might all be spot on, but because we had a temperature variation, our reds might not be. So we're 
we're very cognizant of, of the, the importance of time, temperature, and pressure, especially, I mean, when we're in production, we're in production, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, we sometimes get sloppy like everyone else, but when we're building profiles, there's no choice but to be, you know, spot on, dead accurate every time. Mm -hmm. So, you have your own business, you have the color casters, and you've gotten the experience of being a sublimation business owner uh, in 2020. So what advice do you have for sawgrass sublimation business owners? That's a great question. So the, the thing we really learned is we, we ended up setting up a second, so we've got the lab in my basement and then my business partner Shelby lives in North Carolina. We set up a second mini lab in her um, spare bedroom because she was doing all the design work for our, you know, our masks and our gators and our socks and anything else, anything you find in our Etsy store. Um, that, by the way, we eventually went to Etsy because that's really our, for our onesie twosie sales, that's where they all come from is Etsy. Um, we still get most of our big orders from our social media contacts, but the, the onesie twosies, we, we opened up this Etsy store. So, you know, I guess my advice to people is all you need is you need a few, you need a few good work tables because you need space. You absolutely need space. Absolutely. Um, you need a, a, probably an SG 1000, unless you're going to only make really small things and then you can buy with a 500. You need a good heat press, spend, spend some money on a heat press. Um, don't be afraid to spend fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars, depending whether you're in front on hard surface or hard or soft surface or both. But be willing to spend fifteen hundred to two thousand on a heat press. I think that's just a personal feeling if you're going to do any volume um, that you want a good heat press. Um, and then you know, pick quality blanks, um, and you can literally set up a little business. You know, it, you know, it depends if this is going to be a side hustle or if this is something you want to turn into, you know, permanent full-time income or you want it to be a permanent full-time income that kind of feels like a side hustle because I'm absolutely amazed at, you know, when we're busy in the, like the Christmas rush, the amount of volume dollar-wise that Shelby was able to crank out of a spare bedroom with one SG-1000, one heat press, um, another computer with a laser printer to print ship station labels. And I mean, that's it, right? I mean. You know, we'd ship, we'd ship in blanks and you guys would ship her ink and, and some paper and it, it's it's amazing. And so the the secret though, the secret to our success, and uh, you know, we do a podcast too and somebody, somebody explained to me my own secret that I didn't even realize, <laughs> it's responsiveness. So when you're on Etsy, you know, people will wait three, five, seven, ten days for you to ship the product. What they won't wait for is a day for you to answer a message, right? And some people will ask you five messages between the, you know, they'll message you five questions between the time they order and the time you ship. And, you know, and you, it might only be an eight or $9 item, but you need to answer every single one of those questions as quickly as you can and as honestly as you can. Because it's, you know, to them, that little $8 mask for their son is really, really important. Um, and and as long as you, you stay focused on satisfying the customer first um, and, and worrying about what it costs you later, I feel like you can't help but succeed in this in this business. I mean, it's, there, there is so much space and so much room to grow because we, we're all going to design things differently. Um, and, 
and that's the, that's the other. So here's my best piece of advice: design, 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 design. We have hundreds of designs now between socks and masks and gaiters, and 90% of our sales probably come from 10% or less of our designs. So wow. what does that mean? You know, if I could figure out which 10% were going to be the sellers, that's the only ones we'd design. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, we have to design 100 to have 10 that sell well, and because you don't know. You right. don't know. I mean, our, our craziest little bestseller is a, uh, I probably shouldn't say. Um, <laughs> well, for example, socks. I can say this one because it's over. We we basically came up with a sock design that just said, Bye Bye 2020. So B U H B Y E 2020 that went on the toe. And then a bunch of. Um, oh, you know, I can like imagine those. that was really popular. Oh, yeah, there were like toilet paper rolls and masks and all, all you know, it was 2020 on the sock, basically. That's great. And, and we sold so many of those between, you know, between the beginning and end of December. It just it 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 shocked me. You, you never thought that sock was going to be the best seller in December, right? I mean, it's Christmas month. That sock was the best seller we had, <laughs> and we had no idea. We had no. You, you don't you don't like design it and go, oh, this is it, it's the best seller. Right, right. Well, it's it's up to consumers. It's so interesting you say that because uh, Sarah and I, one of the other coworkers here, we did um, like a pop up. Uh, holiday market uh, like uh, middle of December right you know and uh, we made a bunch of ornaments so we had like the, the general like nice Christmas ornaments and we had the 2020 themed ornaments and those were the ones that people seemed to really that's what made people stop and want to take a second look and it wasn't you know the the typical like oh you know everyone's got that normal Christmas ornament on their tree already they want the yep. one that is going to leave a lasting impression on them. Absolutely, no question about it. <laughs> so you mentioned having a, your own podcast and I, I would love for you to talk about that for a second and, and give yourself a, a plug for the podcast, for your social media, your website, you know, let people know where they can find you and hear more from you. Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> well, I've, been doing, I've been doing social, I came to social media early. Um, so there's a lot of places to find me. Um, the, the first place is if you, if you actually want to find me, the easiest way to find me is on Twitter, and it's just my last name, at Raffle, R-A-F-F-E-L, not L-E-E-L. And so if you like want to, and I I try to engage there whenever I can. So if you just want to, if you want to talk in the social space, that's the best place to reach me. Um, the company also has a Twitter there, Color Casters. That, so that's the consulting and training business. And that's that's the best one to interact with. Um, our, we actually call our dye sublimation business Chrome Apparel, but that's just a brand um, within the Color Casters family. So you can interact with Color Casters to find out more. If you're interacting with Color Casters, that's going to be my business partner, um, Shelby Spuse. Um, she, she pretty much handles that account. Um, and then the website's colorcasters.com, so that's a great place to, to find us on the, on the web. The, the, the podcast, we're, we're content creators. That's, you know, we're content marketers. There's all the, all the buzzwords. Have been for a very long time. I've always wanted to do a podcast. Um, we actually were going to start one a year or so ago and then, um, you know, in the midst of the pandemic and then we just, we got busy with the apparel business so it, it went to the wayside. And uh, what ended up happening was I was listening to, I ended up listening to podcasts this fall uh, on completely different topics, but I was like, man, we should, we have to be doing this. And so I, I pushed and I shoved and I was I was the bull in a china shop. I said, we're gonna do this. And we we launched it like in a heartbeat. Fortunately, we've done a lot of the research. So we just launched it. We recorded our first pilot on December 23rd. 
Um, we, we've now today we recorded our fourth episode, which is our third guest. Um, I've got three or four more lined up. We pub- we published the first episode of the pub- podcast last Friday, so it's just starting to propagate through the podcast networks. And the podcast is very easy to find. It's Die Subcast. D-Y-E-S-U-B-C-A-S-T. Die Subcast. Um, if you if you uh, look for that on any of the, the major major podcast networks, you should find it. It's definitely on Spotify. Um, it's on Anchor FM, and we we own that domain, but it's not. I I got to spend an hour and figure out why it's not pop, properly propagating, but ultimately you'll be able to just put in diesubcast.com and it should go to our Anchor FM page eventually. That's awesome. That's great, and congratulations on uh, recently launching that. Um, I'm excited to listen to it, and I know you actually had uh, Vic from Sawgrass on there. He's a great guest. Yes, he, we had a, we had a lot of fun. Yep, that was <laughs> he'll he'll be on in a couple weeks. Yep. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Is there anything else that you want to add before we go? No, I I, I appreciate it. This was a, it was a fun fun conversation. Fun conversation. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, it was a fun conversation. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, if you or anyone else that you know would like to be featured on the podcast, you can send us an email at marketing at sawgrassinc.com. That's marketing at sawgrassinc.com. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye.